My friends, let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. Help us, as always, and especially today, to do something good with it. In your name we pray. Amen. The condition of your heart, it matters. It really matters. Your ability to live out this earthly life is directly connected to the condition of your heart. When your heart beats, it pumps blood through your body and it allows the rest of your body to function. If you damage your heart, there can be consequences and sometimes those consequences are deadly. The thing about the heart, though, is that it's an internal organ and that the average layperson outside of the medical profession is not really likely to have an in-depth knowledge of the inner workings of somebody else's heart. Now, there's pluses and minuses to that. One of those pluses is that, that you can hide. You can hide the condition of your inner heart most of the time. I mean, as long as you eat a salad when you go out to lunch with your friends, they don't really need to know that you've clogged your arteries with everything else that you eat during the rest of the day. It won't be until that day that you have a massive heart attack that your supposedly close friends are going to realize that, that maybe all wasn't quite as well as it seemed. But yet a medical professional, if they had given you a stress test, an EKG, is likely to discover that when push comes to shove, the condition of your heart really wasn't all that great. Now that's true for both our spiritual hearts and our physical hearts. The difference is that the world is much more adept at being able to see a phony spiritual heart than we are to see a flawed physical one. Jesus said to his disciples, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again a bad tree bears good fruit, for the tree is known by its fruits. The good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good. The evil person out of evil treasure produces evil because at the end of the day, it's out of the abundance of whatever is in your heart that your mouth speaks. What happens in your heart your physical and your spiritual heart is going to impact every single other part of your life, no matter how hard you work to prove otherwise. David Knauert was a marathon runner. He was a really, really good one. And he trained very hard with a great deal of perseverance. To look at David, one would think that he was an elite specimen of an athlete. One day, David went out for a short training run. He had a heart attack, and he died. No matter how much we would have wished otherwise, desired otherwise, or appeared otherwise, the condition of his physical heart ultimately revealed itself in the long, or as the case may be, short run. Because, see, friends, you cannot fake it forever. The truth will always reveal itself in the end particularly when it comes to our spiritual hearts. When we talk about the fruit, the good trees and the bad trees, you have to know that, that ultimately it's what comes off of them, what they give off, what they produce, that tells us what kind of tree they really are. So if you go into an orchard 
most of us, we're, we're lay people in, in agriculture. If you go into an orchard, you're going to be drawn to the tree that is the flashiest, the tree that seems the most full, that has the most leaves. That's going to be the one that you're going to look at. You're not going to be as compelled to, to the one that's a little bit less showy. It may be off in the corner in, in the shade of the one with all the flash. In fact, the one off in the corner might even actually have weeds growing up around the base of it. But before you cast that one off, you might want to try the fruit of both of those trees. Because there's one trait that makes a tree full of leaves. Nitrogen. Nitrogen helps a tree produce leaves and produce it very, very quickly. But when there is an overabundance of nitrogen in a tree, it turns the fruit sour. So just because something looks good on the outside doesn't necessarily mean that it produces something good on the inside. And that's why many farmers with orchards plant specific weeds around the base of a tree to absorb all of that extra nitrogen to prevent it from getting into the fruit. So at the end of the day, you end up working with whatever it is that you put in. And if you don't put in good stuff, it's going to be impossible for good stuff to come out of you. Consider Jesus saying, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, that's some pretty basic chemistry, right? Imagine that your heart is a beaker, and you start filling up that beaker with the most pure, the most pristine mountain spring water available on the planet. No additives, no flavorings, no nothing. But about halfway through you filling up that beaker, there's a drop of food coloring that lands in the water. And you don't really notice it because it dissipates very fast, and it's kind of overcome with the rest of the stuff. It was just so small. So you keep filling up the beaker, and eventually it overflows. And for the most part, it's going to overflow pure water. But if scientists were to really get in there and analyze it, they'd discover that there's an impurity that's caused by that food coloring. Now think about your spiritual heart. What goes into it? What do you put into your heart? The best way for you to answer this question and to answer it honestly is to think about the words that have come out of your mouth in the last week. Not the words that you wish you said, not the words that you could have said, not the words that you want to remember that you said because they sound better than what you actually said. Really think about the words that came out of your mouth in the last week. Were they words of encouragement, frustration, confidence, arrogance, hope, despair? What were those words that came out of your mouth? We reveal quite a bit about ourselves when those words form in our minds, even if they don't make it out. Some of us are actually quite adept at being able to censor ourselves as appropriate, but here's the deal. The words are still there, aren't they? Even if they don't make it out, the words are still there, which means that they bubbled up. They, they are part of the overflow that came out of the heart. Our heart is a muscle, and it reacts to training. And so if your heart is trained to overflow with negativity, that's something that you're going to have to retrain. This week, we went to go visit one of our members. She has severe, severe Alzheimer's. And most of the time, she can't remember who she is, much less who anybody else is. But 
I asked her at one point if she could play the organ for me, and she sat right down at her organ bench, and she just flew. She flew through five different hymns of the faith, not from memory, but from heart, and she said that. She said, my heart overflows, and it comes out through my fingers, but for all of us, the heart overflows, and it comes out of the mouth. At the spur of the moment, when nobody's looking or when everybody's looking, but you're taken off guard and you start talking, that's when we're going to know how your heart is trained and what you've been feeding it with. If our hearts are trained over and over and over again to love and to show grace and to have compassion and to be aware of those around us, there's going to come a point where that's just naturally going to flow out of us. And you've met people like that for whom it just naturally flows out. They don't even give it a second thought. And if you pointed it out to them, they, they would think that's weird because that's just who they are and how their heart is. In our walk of faith, those who fill their hearts with Christ are going to overflow with a Christ-like behavior. Have you ever met someone? Have you ever met someone who made you feel like you were the most important person in the room? that you were the only discussion that mattered at that moment who was so interested in you that they spoke very little of themselves, who thought about your needs and put you before themselves. Now, picture Christ. Picture Christ at the well with the adulterous woman. See Jesus with the possessed man. Think of our Lord when he was hanging on the cross He was infinitely concerned with everyone but himself. That's how he ended up on the cross in the first place because he wasn't thinking about himself. He was thinking about you. And he's up there on the cross and he's encouraging a convicted prisoner and he's assuring his mother that the beloved disciple will take care of her. Remember that Jesus put Peter first even when Peter had betrayed him. Consider all of the practices of hospitality that Jesus embraced. Jesus was the most important person in the room, and yet he got down and he washed the feet of his disciples. He wanted to make sure that everyone always had enough to eat. He was consumed with making sure that they had living water. He looked out for the least of these, and he was never afraid to speak up to those in power about things that mattered. He stayed behind when everybody else had left, to clean and to prepare his heart for what would come next. If Jesus gets into the chemistry of your heart, then that's going to become obvious to the world when your heart overflows. Because what's going to happen is Christ is going to spill out of you. You're not going to be able to contain him. If Jesus is in your blood, when your heart overflows, the things that you're going to say are going to be authentic. They're never going to be forced. They're going to be compassionate without condescension. When something overflows, typically, it's not because a lot of thought was put into it. It just happens. It just happens. It is not organized. There's no such thing as an orderly overflow. You cannot orchestrate that. And that's going to be reflected in your words. If your heart is overflowing with the abundance of Christ, you're not even going to think about it. It's just going to flow out of you. 
So if we know what we want to be in the overflow, the question becomes, how do we get it there in the first place? How do we fill up our hearts? You have to know Jesus. You can't have an overflow of Jesus if you don't know who he is. And to know the characteristics of Jesus, you have to know more than pop culture. And you have to know more than the pithy sayings that Christians like to throw around. You need to know the Jesus who is there, not just when it's convenient or when your back's against the wall. You need to know, we need to know the heart of a man and the sacrifice of God. There are three, at least three, solid ways that Christ can fill your heart. First of all, to know him, read his word. Even if it's just a verse a day, read it. Look for those things that motivated the actions of Christ. You want your life to be more Christ-like? Figure out what Christ did. Look at his behaviors. Look at the words that he said. Figure that out. That's in scripture. It's not necessary to approach it as an academic endeavor. In fact, I wouldn't do that at all. Read his word and it will feed your heart. The second way to fill yourself with Christ is through prayer. So many people love to hide behind their words. Oh, oh, I can't pray. I can't be the one to pray. I don't have the right words. I'm not going to get this right. Have you considered that if you start praying, that the words that you think are so wrong, they're going to get pushed out. They're going to come out of the overflow, and there's going to be that space for those other words, those words of the Spirit. And those words, if they hang out in your heart long enough, they're eventually going to overflow. So when it comes to prayer, you've got to start talking. You've got to get those words out. If we go back to our beaker of water with a drop of food coloring in it, and we just keep adding more and more and more pure water, there's going to come a point where a scientist is going to test it, and he's going to find only the smallest of trace elements left of the contamination. The third way to fill your heart is with worship. There is a joy. There is a joy, and you know this, church. You know this. There's a joy that happens when we come together, when we study the word together, when we're praying together, when we're singing that music together. We're part of what Hebrews called the great cloud of witnesses for each other. Because through having the word proclaimed and singing together and praying for and with one another, we create all sorts of space. All sorts of space for the Holy Spirit to fill us with the love of God. Words reveal our hearts in a way that actions cannot. There's a lot of thinking that goes into actions. We know just this political season that people are speaking all over the place without even thinking about it. Words happen faster than actions. So if you want a really good gauge of where your heart is, it's going to be in your words. So let me ask you, what do your words say about the condition of your heart? What is your Facebook status, your Vine, your Twitter feed, your phone calls, your texts, your emails, your face-to-face -face conversations? What do they say about your heart? Now, you could respond and you could convince yourself of whatever you like. But in the overflow, your words, they're always going to reveal the truth. Let's pray together. Lord God, fill our hearts. Fill our hearts with your love and your grace and your mercy so that the things that come out of us 
reflect your glory. Help us to be wise with our words. But then help us to get to a point where what flows out of us is just a natural reflection of who you are in us. In your name we pray. Amen.